This is COVID Connections on the Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits. All right, the COVID pandemic, of course, took an enormous toll on everybody, uh, but particularly those who would be more vulnerable and people with dementia and their carers and guidance is needed to reopen services without delay. And this is according to the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland, who joined me on the line, Tina Leonard, who's Head of Advocacy uh, and Public Affairs at the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland. Good afternoon to you, Tina. Good afternoon, Niall. Good to talk to you. I can't even imagine what it would have been like during a lockdown period where normally you would have, you know, relations, sons, daughters, mams, dads, or, or well, not mams, dads, obviously, sons, daughters, tending to somebody who would have maybe the early stages of Alzheimer's, who may be, you know, living with one, one sibling or whatever it happens to be, and others helping out. That must have been very difficult. Yeah, I mean, really, the truth is that our new research shows that really carers are in crisis you know their workload has increased they're struggling to cope uh, they're suffering from anxiety there's grief and powerlessness there and at the same time the people with dementia their health is deteriorating and meanwhile we've no roadmap for reopening day services and that's what we're really concerned about and I'm, I'm shocked to hear but i didn't realize the figures are this high Fifty-five thousand people are living with dementia in ireland i didn't know that. that's right Oh, that's right. And then you can multiply that out when you're talking about family carers. And, you know, the majority of people live in the community, um, 63%, so in their own homes, and they'll be cared for um, by loved ones. And as you said, during lockdown, um, you know, carers have said, look, we thought it would be no different for us because we're, we all, we're always in a type of lockdown, you know. Yeah. Um, but actually, of course, it was completely different because... Um, neighbours, friends and other family members couldn't call around. That's what I'm saying, they wouldn't have had that extra support of other people. Yeah, And not alone that, but then of course all the day services closed. So what we were able to do at the Alzheimer's Society at least was to move things remotely so we could call in to people who used to telephone people who used to attend our day services. We we developed remote services for them, online care support groups. Um, You know, support groups went online, family care training online, cafes, clubs, all online fine but really not good enough you know because so where where really are the state services i mean we can open pubs we can open mcdonald's we can open you know other outlets and you know, retail sector uh, hairdressers you can even get your hair done now but we can't get support services for people yeah. who really really need it that's it i mean one of one of the carers denise who cares for her dad Seamus, she says i can get my hair my nails my eyes done but the vital service of a day centre is not available for her dad. And the really important thing is it's that social interaction with peers, that community interaction, that routine, the multi-sensory stimulation you get mm-hmm. from that sort of thing. It's so important to the health for people with dementia. Um, because, and it's a huge and, uh, setback for them as well because I, I'm assuming this would have an adverse effect. Like we talked last week, for example, about children who are special needs and how them much they miss school rather than the average child who probably wouldn't have missed it as much because obviously they get to see their friends. And this, of course, this is a huge setback for those children who need ongoing attention. The same way with somebody with Alzheimer's. I mean, they do need ongoing attention and stimulation constantly all the time. Uh, Absolutely. And our research shows that 86% of the family carers were concerned about a decline. And talking to our dementia advisors who speak to people every day, they were alarmed at the deterioration they were seeing in the health of people with dementia. Um, And they were alarmed at that. And they also couldn't believe the levels of burnout um, in in the carers that they said hadn't been experienced before. So the research, the experiences that we're gathering, that we're hearing, are really dark now. They're disturbing. because And what's terribly sad is that 
at the very start of this, we did a first piece of research um, at the end of March, beginning of April, and that allowed us to, to know what to do in terms of remote support. But at that time, people said, look, we're worried that we'll be forgotten. And what this has shown is that, you know what, they were, because we don't have guidelines or roadmap to reopen. Now, we've submitted the Alzheimer's Society, we've submitted proposals to, um, to the HSE Department of Health in relation to how we could reopen uh, day services um, and but we don't have guidelines we can't well, do it but even, well, even before of course the new government I mean Simon Harris was talking about obviously cancer screening and mammograms and all that kind of stuff uh, essentially hopefully coming back before the end of July now I still haven't got a date for it yet Stephen Donnelly now of course would be the Minister for obviously for Health and Disability as well so have, has he suggested I, I know he's only in the job a week but, and maybe he needs to do a little bit of a catch up on everything that's going on but there has been no clarification from him whatsoever when these services might return I mean you can't just have no date you have to have some sort of, I suppose, map or something to look forward to. I agree, because it's about hope, isn't there? I mean, things are really bad, as we've just discussed, but you need hope then. We all needed that. We all needed to know what the roadmap was. And it's ever more true for for carers and for those people with dementia who don't understand why people aren't calling around and why they can't go go to day centres and they can't do their usual things and, and some of them withdrawing into themselves and so on. So it's really hard and it's about needing to know. And, you know, we've spoken with lots of politicians, um, officials in Department of Health, HSE, ongoing discussions. We spoke certainly with the previous minister and put various proposals to him. We're waiting to speak to, with the new minister. So and did, did you get a, did you get a happening. response from Simon Harris at that time when you spoke to oh, him? Oh, we met it? him. We, we, and we what, met and him what was his answer? What did yeah, he say I mean, to you? He was very interested to hear about our proposals and we also, oh. you know, um, proposed pilots. Well, it's well and good to be interested. Yeah, but it's well and good to be interested. But what are you going to, what's he going to do it. about it? You That's know what I mean? It. And we're still waiting. We're still waiting. And we can't move without those official guidelines. We've, we've, like my colleagues, have walked, walked and paced the, the, you know, the centimetres and the metres and so on in different places, imagining how we can do it. Because we know there's going, it's going to be different. It's not going to be the same. And we'll have to keep, um, you know, maybe not everyone will be able to come back at the same time and all of that. So we'll have to keep offering alternative supports as well. So, you know, enhancing home care is one thing. We're discussing with the HSE about that. Really important. The remote services that we're doing, really important. But you need that community, Absolutely. social interaction with the parents, the parents, all of that. Uh, do you know, I mean, you might know the answer to this question, so I'm, I'm asking you just off the top of my head, but what would the average age of, of the 55,000 people who live with dementia in Ireland, what's the average age? Well, the majority of people are over 65. Okay. So, um, and it gets more prevalent as people get older. But there are 4,000 people people under the age of 65 as well. So it really okay. is mixed, but the majority... Because are I, I, I'm, wor- I'm wondering about their vulnerability when it comes to COVID-19. Now, obviously, COVID-19 has been suppressed in the community and we're seeing most of these clusters are happening around care homes and places where people are more vulnerable. Um, and obviously, elderly people would be more vulnerable because it is an ageist virus. It certainly seems to be. Uh, but, I mean, making places safe for people to go is practically an impossibility. There's always going to be an element of risk. So, obviously, for the younger uh, people with Alzheimer's, that wouldn't be too much of a problem. But for the for the more for the older ones, uh, I suppose it would be a bigger problem. I think it's a really interesting question because, of course, there is a risk. Um, and when we're talking about reopening something, we have to take into account the risk that you know and mitigate the risk of contracting COVID and keeping everyone safe. And that's what we have to do. But, but you have to also balance that with the risk of mental health problems exactly. and, and deterioration. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it, and that's what we're asking. And um, when we talk about the value of a service versus risk, the risk has to be managed. And we're looking at 
here the adverse effect to the health of the person with dementia and the mm-hmm. care. Absolutely. That's very real. And, you know, in terms of the um, vulnerability, as you say, of people with dementia and COVID, what, what's really, uh, um, what really needs to happen and hasn't happened, and this is part of people with dementia being forgotten during COVID, is that that information wasn't collected and counted. Dementia often falls between the cracks. You know, there isn't a, there isn't a distinct health care pathway for dementia. It falls between the stools often. And if we look at, there's really good data in the UK about the vulnerability of people with dementia. And in fact, it was the, the main underlying condition in death from COVID. We don't have that data here because we counted differently. But we know from our research that the impact has been great. So I even without so, yes. that data here, we need... I remember seeing that data in relation to the United States as well, which was very, very yeah. high as yeah, well. Yeah, it's starting. It's, it's really yeah. concerning. And we need to accept, accept okay. that here and care for, care for our friends, neighbours, family members and citizens as they need. OK, well, listen, I, I hope you get that date. I hope you get the roadmap and I hope you get those people back to what they, which is meeting other people and interacting with society again. I hope you get that very soon. Listen, thank you very much indeed thank for coming you. on there and highlighting it. Tina Leonard, who is the Head of Advocacy for the Public Affairs at the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland. Another group that has been disproportionately affected, and we spoke briefly about it before, was the entertainment industry in Ireland. And Matt Granigan is the music and entertainment, uh, with the Music and Entertainment Association of Ireland. Good afternoon to you, Matt. Hey, good afternoon, man. Matt, you, of course, you know? yeah, the DJs, the nightclubs, the bars, the bands, the, you know, I know you will get a few weddings bands back out again once the weddings start again. Um, but in saying that, your industry, particularly those who play the live gigs, have been very disproportionately affected. They're essentially out of work with no promise of a date. That's correct, Niall. Uh, no promise. Uh, absolutely nothing really on the horizon. There may be some glimmers of hope uh, when, when pubs have reopened uh, for maybe smaller groups, uh, maybe, but they haven't. They said there's to be no live music or DJs. Isn't that, isn't that part of the the reopening the, plan? I, I think that there's a huge amount of confusion around this. The the, the Vintners Federation the LVA put that forward that proposals back in May, uh, which their, their proposals were in effect rejected, and and government opened pubs in effect as restaurants from last week, uh, and it, it's it's it transpired at the weekend that there can be live music. But what you're facing now. Uh, is obviously for singers there's increased risk of, of uh, moisture being spread throughout the air different things like that so uh, that has I mean you know you, with the greatest respect you can't get up on a stage firstly it would be difficult to socially distance with your band yeah. and your members and secondly you can't sing through a mask so, so it's, uh, 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 you're going to have to put maybe perspex screens up but then the biggest thing is if, if you're the, the, the pub's capacity is compromised for a start so course, therefore yeah. it becomes an economic uh, problem really, and then you have the risk of somebody might get up and start moving their legs in time with the music, which is classed oh. as dancing, which is not <laughs> yes. allowed anymore. <laughs> oh. Oh. Yes, there, there, there are there are numerous risks, and even in the theatre industry, uh, you know, at a two meter social distance, like the, for example, the Royal Albert Hall in London, is, the, their their capacity is now cut down to about thirty percent. So yeah. you're looking at that. You're looking at between thirty and fifty percent, maybe across the theatres in Ireland. Um, so you're looking at huge economic... Yeah, I, I, I actually, do you know what? I only seen a memory come up on my Facebook a little while ago when I went to see ACDC in the uh, Viva Stadium. Go, mm. One of the best gigs I was ever at, actually. The atmosphere was just electric, right? And and there was just this horde of people swaying and hands in the air and people smiling yeah. and having... It was a beautiful summer's day as well. And I'm going, God, I miss that. Yeah. I, just, I just miss being entertained in a group, in a crowd. And Matt, I'm worried that from what I hear from everybody with the, the new normal, inverted commas, that we'll never have that again I, uh, until this virus goes. And then you hear stories of other viruses. And, you know, are, are you worried for the future of entertainment? 
I, I'm incredibly worried at the moment because um, one of the main things that happened yesterday was a particularly dark day and, and all the, the kind of work that we're trying to do at the moment, which was the PUP payment being reduced for so many of our members. And we had a very busy day yesterday uh, yeah. with, uh, dealing with a lot of people. So they're the being reduced from 350 to 203 or whatever it was. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and they weren't expecting it. They, they weren't expecting it. They had filled out the forms. They had done what they had uh, and were told to do and expected to do. And now, of course, there, there, there are errors. Some people maybe expected, and it was incorrect, but there are so many genuine where it has see, happened. See, here's the thing, and I, I don't agree with this, because they're not unemployed. Unemployed no. means that you, you, you can't get a job. They're being told they're not allowed to get a job. So there's a bit of a difference in the way this should be treated. You know what I mean? Well, yes, there's a huge difference. And, and certainly the banks are making a difference when they see a difference between the COVID payment and unemployment. So, yeah. you know, they're seeing that with people trying to repay mortgages and that. that uh, and, and again, the, the pandemic payment is a taxable income yeah. for anyone who is self-employed. But we are now going to be forced, forced to sign on to Job Seekers Allowance from the 10th of August when the, pay, when the PUP finishes. And the government have put forward uh, regulation and a paper on that to, and, and, and how they're going to support the arts industry for doing that so that if you do sign up for the Job Seekers Allowance, uh, and I'll just get the document in front of me here, that you will uh, you will not be hounded uh, for the first year to, you know, to take on other jobs or to, to do retraining. And, and that's a very fair proposal. Okay. But if you're a musician, you need to be a member of the Musicians Union of Ireland. If well, 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 do me a favour, stay with me, Matt, if you can, because I want to go to Paul Little as well. I spoke to, spoke sure. to Paul going back a, a short while ago as well in relation to this. Unfortunately, I couldn't give him much time at the time and it was kind of out of the realms of the topic because we just have to get him on a bit late. But Paul, good afternoon to you again. How are you? Good afternoon, Niall. Hi, and Hi, Matt. Hi there, Paul. <laughs> Uh, Paul, of course, has been on the circuit for more years than I care to remember. Than I care to remember. You got that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I know you care to remember. We all. But I mean, Paul, I mean, this is just devastating for everybody. It's not getting any better. I mentioned a minute ago there, my memories come up on Facebook of, his, of an ACDC gig and hordes of people bouncing around, having a good time, smiling in the summer sun. I can't see that happening again from everything I'm hearing, you know, in the news and everything else. We're yeah, never well, going to be allowed to do this again. I have to be relatively optimistic and say that I do see it happening again. But the question is when. Now, this is the thing that's causing all of us small-time musicians like me the biggest grief, that we have no yardstick. We have no definite word on anything at all. We're just told about the situation in the pubs. You know, this is the cleverest virus in the world. You can go to a pub if it's got food. But if it's got no food, you're likely to get the virus. Yeah. Sort of you're a, you're a, you if can, you pay nine euro for a burger and chips, you're immune yeah, to the COVID-19. Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. can stay for 105 minutes, but if you stay for 110 minutes, you're likely to get infected. Yeah. Where's that coming from? You can sit quietly with your food and get no virus, but if there's music playing in the corner, you're going to get a virus hit. Yeah. And you can sit at a table with no virus and get served. But if you have the cheek to go to the bar, you're likely to get the virus. I mean, where, where are these rules Or if you move from? your legs and hands in time with the music <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and dance, because I believe there, 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 there's this whole talk there about the nightclubs and the dance license, and they won't give out dance licenses at the moment. They're not going to because you're not allowed to dance. My God. Well, I heard just yesterday of three or four pubs in the inner city of Dublin who had music last weekend. Mm-hmm. And it, it all went extremely well. The people sat and listened. The crowds were limited to the correct numbers. The only snag in all of that is it's a kind of a race to the bottom that the fees are going to reflect the number of people who are there. 
I, well, I hate to put, um, I suppose, a spanner in the works here, but I, I, I'm sure you've heard the news today. The WHO, um, which I find it difficult to believe, have now said they come out with new evidence that this virus could be airborne. Yes. Um, now, how they didn't know this before, but considering that you have every scientist in the world working on this for the last four months, I, I, I'm not too sure if they're making all this up as they go along, but anyway, we have to take their advice. And they're now suggesting masks in the workplace as well. Now, if that comes in, she or snookered completely. Yeah. There'll be no well, singing I mean, anywhere. Uh, you've got to say that we're relatively lucky at the moment that the thing seems to be under some sort of control. But just open your eyes and look at the States and look at Brazil and look at what's happened in Australia in the last 24 hours, total shutdown of Melbourne. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. So the thing is still out there. Now, I don't, as a musician, I don't want to go into a crowded room and risk getting it. You know, let's be clear about that. But I do want to have some sort of roadmap. I mean, at this time but, of but, year... Yeah, but, but Paul, here's the thing. You don't want to go into a crowded room and risk getting it, OK? And everybody yeah. wants their workplace to be safe and they want their environments to be safe. But there's a limit to how safe we can make that environment. So for Paul to get back out with his band again and for Matt's members to get back out there again, there's going to have to be a risk. So yeah. are, you, are you willing, to, if they said, listen, you can have live music from September, are you willing to get up on a stage where there's going to be, you know, 60 to 70 punters in a bar, all breeding with no masks on them? Are you willing to do that? I've got to say that necessity would make me say yes. Mm-hmm. We've got to, got to get moving again, got to get <clears throat> moving at some level. Now, I mean, in supermarkets and in banks and in all sorts of places, even in our local pub where we went for our first pint last week, They've got these plastic screens up. Why not just stick a plastic screen where the stage is? Then they can't get our spit and we can't get theirs. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like the old days of the Blues Brothers where you'd be showing bottles at the screens. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's a chicken wire. Be yeah, the chicken you know? wire, yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Matt, do you want to say something there? Go ahead. Yeah, I just want to say one thing there, and I, and I appreciate the comment of you know trying to get back to work as, 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 as soon as possible, and I think a lot of musicians really want to do that. Uh, all I could say about that is because of the diminished returns, you know, the, the, the fees will probably reflect um, the capacity of the crowd. Well, at the minute, the price of the paint hasn't gone down or the price of food hasn't gone down because uh, restaurants and other businesses have got what's called the temporary wage subsidy scheme. And so that has been going on. There is no real end in sight for that. I'm sure it will come at some stage, but we are looking at musicians having the PUP scheme finished on the 10th of August. And, and how are you going to cope with that, Paul? Because obviously you're obviously on a COVID payment at the moment. Yeah, well, it's even worse in our house because uh, my my wife Leslie is also does gigs with me, but she's an agent. Right, so you're both in, you're both so in we're the both industry. Snookered, you know, yeah. So, so you're both on the you're both on the dole on the tenth of August, yeah, essentially. Basically, basically on the dole, mm-hmm. and you know it's it's quite uh, it depreciates your value quite a lot when that happens. At yeah. the moment, we feel that we're not allowed to work. But when, when you're, you're, when you're not allowed to work. Yeah. I mean, yeah although just, somebody texted in, by the way, I'm not going to mention the name of the hotel because I don't know for sure, but he said there's a major hotel that everybody would know in Kerry last Saturday night. There was a guy playing live music. Now, yeah. I suppose it would be easier for a single guy or girl having a saying, you know, with, with a, I don't know, a laptop with backing music. But it's when you have a band, it's going to be a bigger problem, isn't it? Well, you see, this, this is why I'm not all that worried. I do solo gigs and I write my own tracks. So I work to tracks and play guitar. But and Leslie and I go out as a two-piece. And it's not really a problem uh, logistically or crowd-wise for us, you know? Yeah. 
But I don't honestly see the pubs booking more than one or two pieces for the foreseeable future if they do start to work again. Are they, because, well, he's saying this in this hotel in Kerry, but are they allowed, I mean, Matt, are you allowed to have a singer on his own at the moment? Because I, I thought I, you weren't. I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. I, you're I, not, you're there, not there allowed is... karaoke. Uh, you're not allowed to share microphones. Well, that, 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 well that's obvious, yeah. Okay, yeah, that was, a, that was a directive, but you're allowed solo singers. Right, okay. So you're allowed to have one person with a yeah. guitar or whatever it happens to be. There, yeah. there has been so much confusion around this for, for weeks, and we have been trying to, uh, on the group, you know, there's been several discussions slash arguments about uh, and what we've been trying to post and find out this particular information. So, yes, if, if you're saying that, Paul, that's fantastic. But uh, because, well, I, I thought, because initially when the, the roadmap came out there a while ago and the regulations from the Vintners Association, I thought there was no live music. So I'm, so I'm surprised here you're allowed to have a singer. No, the regu- what the Vintners and the LVA did propose, well, it was uh, proposals that they put forward around the fourth we, Because everybody was saying they were throwing the entertainment industry under the bus, if I remember rightly, the last time uh, we spoke about this. There was a lot of people saying that. They, yeah. they were making proposals, and in fairness, they have to get their own industry back to work before, you know, it, it's... it's uh, yeah, but you guys are part of their industry. Without well, you guys, are, they wouldn't have had yeah. crowds in their pubs in the first place. We, oh, we are see, part the, the, of, a, of a huge biodiversity. Yeah, yeah. This, 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 country, is a mass, you know? this is a massive misunderstanding. Everybody's hearing about the arts being given money, Arts Council grants going out, Imro mm-hmm. grants going out. The Great Unwashed, which is us who work three and four nights a week in hundreds of pubs all over, thousands of pubs all over the country, are not recognised as being part of the arts. And I'm sorry to say it, but yeah. we're just left totally. We're just there, you know. Yeah. There's no recognition, and that's why the Music and Entertainment Association of Ireland is such an important thing because for the first time ever, there's a chance of getting a representative body that people might listen to. Yeah. And in, huge... my, in my lifetime, is the first time. I used to be a member of the Musicians' Union and uh, I remember playing a gig one night not getting paid and the Musicians' Union promised that they would sort things like this out for everybody. So I rang them and they said, well, tell you what, next time you see the guy who's paying you, hit him. <laughs> that's that's how, that's how valuable it was. To okay, be but I know I, I know Matt is part of the Music and Entertainment Association of Ireland. But I mean, I remember years ago we tried to get a DJ association going about thirty years ago when I was working in the clubs. That didn't work out too well because every DJ hated each other and they were all in competition anyway. Uh, so it was very difficult to get people <coughs> to actually cooperate. But I think at a time like this, you would happily find DJs and bands and everybody coming together because they're all in this together. So I think yeah, well, Matt, wouldn't I be correct in saying that in, in about a week, three and a half thousand members have joined? Yes, we're, we're, it's only uh, yeah, a couple of weeks. And, we're, and, and the thing is, the Music and Entertainment Association of Ireland is reaching out to everyone involved in the music and entertainment. So whether you're an actor, a dancer, a DJ, a comedian, a magician, a ventriloquist, whatever, if you go out and you entertain people... Uh, or you're involved in the creative arts industry and you make money and you're a professional. Well, maybe, maybe, Please, I mean, I, I, okay, I'm sorry that I have to wrap it up, but maybe you should all get together, you know, and I'm sure you could organise it, Matt, that everyone you get out, get out there when obviously keeping your social distance and, and have some sort of protest outside the doll in relation to it because you, you can't be forgotten. No, we can't. And, and, that's, and you have enough uh, members there to make a little bit of a stir, you know what I mean? Oh, we have, and I'm sure we will have more. Um, but we are making... Responsibly, of course, we, yeah. We are, we, we are doing a lot of work behind the scenes. We are, we're in consultation with, with lots of different politicians, with different departments. Like even yesterday, with the, what happened at the PUP, we contacted the Minister for Social Protection. They came back to us and they said, look, any one of your members that feels that they've been put in the wrong, get them to email the Minister directly. 
So in fairness, they, they jumped there. and they, You know, okay. they just didn't say, here's the, the email right. address for everyone else. So we're doing that. Uh, I don't think uh, that our, our first reaction should be, the, or, or the last resort should be our first reaction, which is to protest. But if that is a necessary thing that needs to happen, maybe in a few weeks' time or whenever, then I'm sure we'll be able to organise a okay. fantastic protest. <laughs> All right, well, listen, I have to wrap it up. Paul, it was lovely talking again. And Paul, I did promise that I do want to bring you on some night, not just to talk about COVID, but to talk about the whole entertainment industry over the last 20 years, because I know you're a bit of an expert on it because you've been through it so, <laughs> through every aspect of it at this stage. Welcome to my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think it'll be an entertaining and fun interview as well to talk about other things rather than just COVID-19, to bring back some memories for people too. Listen, Paul, thank right, you very much, Neil. I will sort that out with you. All right. See you, Matt. And thank you very much as well to Matt. And by the way, don't forget, if you want to be part of the industry, you can get in contact yourself with the Music Music and Entertainment Association of Ireland. Just Google them there, and I'm I'm sure uh, they will help you out in some way or try their best to give you some advice going forward. But they do want recognition, and they do want a roadmap. Everybody wants a roadmap. COVID Connections on the Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits.